MSW Media. I'm Caitlin Bristow from The Bachelorette, and I have one question for Dan Dunn, and that is, will you accept this rosé? Is this a first impression rosé? Sure, but it's definitely not the last. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show. I'm Dan Dunn, and what we're drinking in just a little bit is a wine called Spade and Sparrows. We'll be drinking that with the founder of the brand from the Bachelor Bachelorette franchise, Caitlin Bristow, will be joining us on this episode. What I'm drinking right now, though, believe it or not, during the day, but it is summertime, I'm drinking a pina colada. That's right, baby. I've made it uh, using Batiste rum and fresh victor mixers so it's three ounces of fresh victor pineapple and ginger root two ounces of batiste rum and two ounces of coconut cream shake that thing up delicious pina colada i highly recommend it it is summertime and you know batiste big fan we've talked about it a lot here on the show Batiste is delicious, and I feel good about drinking it. It's because of the sustainability aspect of the brand. Batiste rum is next level when it comes to sustainability. That's right. It's the first sustainable American craft rum. Generate zero durable waste. That's plastic and toxic waste, in case you're not up on the environmental lingo. It's also carbon negative from ground to glass. It's the first booze in the world that does it that way. It's made with 100% pure, fresh cane juice. I'm telling you, I'm sipping right now. Mm. Mm. It's so good. You know, if you like your tequila 100% agave, then you're going to love your rum 100% cane juice. It's just great. And, and I'll tell you what, it's, it's working really, really well with this Fresh Victor. I just had Fresh Victor on the Adam Carolla show recently. You might have heard that. Look, 25% of Americans drink cocktails at least once a week. And if you're making craft cocktails at home, it's expensive. It's hard to do. It's hard to juice your own stuff. You're going to juice a pineapple. You're going to juice a ginger root. No, you're not going to do that. So you just get Fresh Victor. It's a line of all natural, clean label cocktail mixers that make the best drinks as conveniently and consistently possible it's all fair trade sourced there's no artificiality none none and you know what people get into the canned stuff i don't you know the bonus of a fresh mixer of a ready-made canned cocktail is it's not just the jump in the quality and freshness but it's the fun of making it yourself making a killer drink but making it simply I mean, we did it on the corolla show i mean we were knocking those things out we had a bunch of them they were fantastic Fresh Victor is available nationwide, direct to your door via freshvictor.com. 
And as a special bonus for you, the What We're Drinking listener, if you go to FreshVictor.com now, when you go to checkout, go through the whole process, order what you want, and when you get to checkout, there's a place for a code. Put in WWD20. That's what we're drinking. WWD20, and you get 20% off your Fresh Victor order. That's right. 20% off your Fresh Victor order order all right all right all right you can also go to batiste we haven't set up a code yet but we're going to let's do that too but so get the batiste get the fresh victor make a pina colada get whatever coconut cream you want to get you know there's uh coco lopez is one of the, the brands that's very good i don't care get it and then go to my social media at the imbiber or at wwd underscore podcast send me a picture i'll put it up of your pina colada. Tell me what you think. Hit me up at info at what we're drinking.com. I don't care. Just get in touch. I want to hear from you. All right. I do. Little story. So over the weekend, I dropped by this coffee shop in my hood. It's cool. It's, it's hip. It's here in Venice, you know, and I ordered the usual. I got coffee and some kind of organic fat-free deglutinized muffin-like substance because this is the way I look at it. All the caffeine in the coffee balances out all the hippie farts in the muffin. And in my line of work, balance is important, people. It really is. So my cost for these items, seven American dollars. I handed the Billy Eilish lookalike behind the counter a 10 spot and I waited for change. Now I should stress that said coffee shop worker looked like Billy Eilish before Billy traded in her parentally acceptable commodified descent faux punk fashion sense. Or the equally contrived yet far more off-putting junky Virago image she has today. But I digress. Lil Eilish yawned as she handed over three bucks change. So I put not one, but two dollars into the tip jar, figuring she could put it towards more eyeliner, another tattoo, I don't know, right? Whatever. So she watches me impassively as I do this, looked right at me and said nothing. I lingered a couple extra seconds thinking perhaps this signal that was carrying the words thank and you got waylaid somewhere in the waistline that lies between a teenager's brain and her mouth, but no, nothing. So yeah, apparently being given a 25% tip for performing a task that a Reese's monkey is overqualified for didn't quite exceed Billie Eilish Jr.'s gratitude threshold. Couldn't be bothered with something as prosaic as common courtesy. Not when she'd gotten so far in life on scowls and eye-rolling, I guess. Now, this is not even to broach the general subject of tip jars being in venues that have always been non-tipping consumer environments. Oh, that makes me crazy. The the only plausible explanation I can come up with for this is that the word TIPS, T-I-P-S, slapped on a jar on a counter, is nothing more than an acronymic fuck you from the cheapskate owner. Stay with me on this. T, TIPS, T-I-P-S, T, Thanks, suckers, because I, I'd rather not pee, pay these moronic little S, shits a living wage myself. Not to mention it's an affront to all those that work traditionally tipped jobs. You remember them, right? The waiters, waitresses, delivery guys, bartenders, these tireless folk who hustle for that dollar because they know money ain't free. A simple smile combined with a little, you know, competence and speed is tonic to the soul. Mark my words. Seriously, mark my words. The day's going to come when meter maids, and that's right, I said meter maids. They'll always be meter maids to me. I don't care if it's politically correct or not. Meter maids. They're going to be handing out parking tickets, and they're going to expect tips in return. And they're going to get them, too. 
because an awful lot of people truly are just that fucking stupid. Not me. I have a new solution. Stay with me here. Starting today, I'm invoking the five-second rule. That is, after I deposit a tip into a bullshit, shouldn't-even-be-there-tip jar, if five seconds go by and I haven't gotten an expression of gratitude, it's no longer their property. It's ungiven. It's mine again. I will reach in and I will remove it from the jar and put it in my wallet where it rightfully belongs. You violate the social contract, I violate the social contract. We're even. Thanks for the dance. And should this offending counterworker protest, I'll just inform them that I am the ghost of manners past. Also find a new place to get coffee because I'm not a big fan of loogie-flavored lattes. So you get it, right? Umbrage will be taken. This is okay. My umbrage is always spoiling for a good fight. It's good to let it off the leash every once in a while. So yeah, I have a feeling the next few weeks are going to be highly entertaining on that front. I will report back to you on how my five-second rule is going. All right. Now, let's move on to Caitlin Bristow, shall we? Joining me now, a former contestant on ABC's The Bachelor, who went on to become The Bachelorette. She also competed in and won. Dancing with the Stars in 2020. She is currently co-hosting season 17 of The Bachelorette alongside fellow former Bachelorette Tasha Adams. She also hosts the wildly popular podcast Off the Vine. I listened to it earlier today and learned about uh, vaginal hygiene. It was fantastic. Can't wait to talk about that. And I really did. Uh, We'll get into it. Uh, And in May 2019, she launched her very own wine brand called Spade and Sparrows. And we're going to be sipping some of that today. Please welcome the show, Caitlin Bristow. Hi. Wow. I love that introduction. Thank you so much. And cheers to to you you. for drinking my wine. I I love it. I've got the, uh, I've got the spade and sparrows rosé and we're going to talk, you look like you're drinking either the Pinot Noir or the cab. What do you got? It's I I went with the Pinot today. Whatever was closer to me, that's what I went with. So it was the Pinot. And you, you also have a, you have a, well, uh, let me, let's back up a little bit and we'll talk a little bit about it. So first off, I, have become a new fan of the wine. I admittedly don't watch a lot of Bachelor Bachelorette. I have I have seen it. I have watched entire seasons. My ex-girlfriend was really into it, so we would watch it. Of course. And now I can't. We always got to blame the ex-girlfriends, it's, it's don't too we? too painful. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. No, I I, I'll you. admit to bad reality. I, all right, I watched, I'm not kidding you. I just binged watched the entire, all right, I fast forward through it though, this stupid show called Too Hot to Handle on Netflix. Oh. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I didn't I, even get into it. Oh, it's so bad. It's it, you, you feel really bad, dirty, and, dirty and I yeah. just wasted it. Uh, but I do watch Survivor. Big fan of Survivor. Survivor's a great one. Survivor's a great one. And it is, I mean, I think it's longer running than The Bachelor. Bachelor has been on for about 20 years, but Survivor is up there. The Bachelor, you know, the times that I have watched it and the seasons that I've watched and The Bachelorette, I, I think. I'm more into The Bachelor just be for obvious reasons. I guess I, not obvious <laughs> reasons, but just because I, I I would prefer to be watching a, a bunch of, of, of women. gorgeous women. Yeah, you know, as a, the dudes bore me. Really, I find the dudes are even more dramatic than the women. For you, what was more rewarding? Being 
I got to figure the bachelorette because you're the center of attention, right? Yeah, but it, that sounds nice. And that's exactly what I thought was going to happen. I'm like, oh, I get to date all these guys. Like, this is going to be amazing. They're going to be so hot. I'm just going to make out with all of them. That was literally my mindset. And then once you got there, it was the most overwhelming thing ever. And they all were acting like, well, a, a handful of them were really acting like ch- uh, children. And then some of them, then you're having to hurt their feelings because you're like, wait, I have more, I have feelings for more than one guy. And it was just, you had to constantly break people's hearts and disappoint them. And they always say, oh, let me, let me stop you here though. Let me say, okay. this is the part I've never, what do you okay, mean me. though? You're breaking their, how strong feelings could they actually do? I mean, don't get me wrong. You seem amazing. Right. And I, I and I'm I sure it you. might take in a week of knowing you, I might be smitten as well, but Come on. Like I watch But think people- about it. You are, okay, I'm going to, it is a recipe for a heartbreak and a fast one because you are isolated for a few days before you even go to the mansion. So you're all horned up and then you have, you don't have your phone. You don't have um, your family. You don't have your friends to keep you grounded. And then you go on the show where this one person is put on this pedestal where they are like, God's gift to men or God's gift to women. And they're just like up there and you can't only, only see them at certain times. And when you do, it's all these other people chasing for them and your emotions are also heightened. There's alcohol, there's lack of sleep. It is literally the perfect recipe to just fall for somebody that you don't know, which is why all the tears always happen. And then there's ego. I was going to say, I, I've often thought that the competition aspect of it, because let's face it, you've got, and again, I'll speak from having watched The Bachelor more, you've got a lot of really gorgeous people that have probably had things a little bit easier in their lives. And I think that competition part's got to play a big role. Like he's not picking me. I'm not used to being the person that's not chosen. That's the thing. That's the thing. That's where the ego comes in. And that's where it almost turns into like you want to (laughs) win. So you convince yourself. I mean, some people truly do fall in love. And I did. I really, truly did. And there is those things, you know, people say love at first sight. Like I truly felt close to those feelings. There's a lot of heightened emotions involved, but ego is a huge part of it where you want to win and you don't want to look stupid or rejected. Like nobody wants to feel that. Especially hot people. <laughs> exactly. How many percentage-wise of all the seasons would you say where they they win and then they go, oh my God, like, now how do I get rid of this person? Because I didn't really I, want them. You know what's interesting? And I think about this a lot because it's such a social experiment and there's so much to think about. But I mean, the success rate is truly the same as if you pick like you know, out of 20 couples off the street, you pick one, the success rate is the same. These people really do fall and you really do get to know them by the end of it. You meet their family, you have really intense conversations. You spend time with them off camera. You do everything that you're supposed to do to really like, you know, rush a relationship onto the point it's supposed to be at that. When you come out of that, you really feel like you're like in this together, this like us against the world. And we're going to figure this out. And it, it, I'm sure that happens. And that's why most couples do break up after is because that it's just like a, you know, it's euphoric. It's this feeling of like heightened emotions where that does come down. And then that's the reality. And that's why most couples don't work. And some do, it's just the same as if you took the success rate of Bumble or any other dating app, you know, or my entire dating history. Yeah. Or your entire dating history, you know, it's, but you know what? I also think, I also think they take, (laughs) 
they take psych tests and evaluation. And I really do believe it's an experiment where they do put people they think you could end up with on that show. So, I mean, there's so many angles. There's so many different ways to look at it. It's that time of year again. New Year's. It's that time of year where we make those resolutions about dropping weight, answering our mom's calls, staying in touch with friends. It always feels like the perfect time to refocus on what we want in life, but it's easy to get stuck looking back on all of the resolutions we didn't keep last year. This year, there's one resolution I am definitely keeping, and that's making my mental health a priority. Make it part of your daily routine with Talkspace. Talkspace personally matches you with a licensed therapist you could connect with right from your phone or computer. I've been in therapy for years, but it's always been so challenging to find the right person. I've bounced around to different therapists and it's always, does this one take my insurance? Is this one close to my house? With Talkspace, you can do it from the comfort of your own home. Listen, everyone could use someone to talk to. I personally deal with some anxiety and my problem at night is those racing thoughts that I can't turn off. I'm up all hours of the night thinking about everything that everyone ever said to me and how am I going to get through this? My therapist at Talkspace taught me some really awesome breathing techniques that help me calm my mind, calm my body, and give me a more restful sleep. Connecting with a licensed therapist on Talkspace can help you feel better and it's secure. No one's going to hear what you say and that's the best part. Let all that talk fly. Unlike traditional therapy, Talkspace fits your schedule, not the other way around. Talkspace treats your privacy and security as their top priority. You get access to private virtual room with just you and your therapist. You can send your therapist messages 24-7 and get replies throughout the day. No need to wait for that weekly appointment. You owe it to yourself to make mental health a priority this year. And Talkspace makes it easy to keep. Visit Talkspace.com and get $100 off your first month when you use promo code STARBURNS at sign up. That's S-T-A-R-B-U-R-N-S. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com, promo code STARBURNS. We are on what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, and we are drinking Spade and Sparrow's wine. You mentioned drinking on the show. You know, it's changed a lot. At least it seems that way to me. In the early days of reality TV, and I think certainly the real world would probably be the one that really, like, they were pumping people full of alcohol. They want, that was alcohol equal drama. And I feel like that's changed a little, or they're just not showing it as much. How much is drinking part of the show? Yeah, no, it's really actually not that big of a part anymore because, I mean, at the end of the day, and I always say it, 25 people, men or women, dating one person, you've cast this show for many different personality types. You do not need alcohol to make drama there. It will happen naturally. The producers know what they're doing. These people are, they're fine to create drama and it gets them more screen time, yada, yada. But when I was on the show, it was you know, it wasn't shoved down our throats, but it was there if we wanted it at any kind, whenever you wanted it, you know, it was definitely right there in front of you where now they do a two drink limit, which you can still get a good buzz on and create some drama, but you're not getting like embarrassingly blackout. You can, oh, so you, you can only have two drinks now, two drinks an hour, two drinks an hour. Okay. Have, yes. have there been, I, I got to imagine there were, did you personally witness moments where you're like, uh Oh, this person is careening towards a oh, bad oh. place. 
Yes. One guy got kicked off night one of my season because he was just like an actual mess. He kept going and getting more fireball shots. And then he got down to his underwear and he literally jumped into the pool half naked and then came out and he, he actually grabbed my ass and they kicked him off the show night one. Grabbed your ass. Yeah. Thinking that might be the, the move you were waiting for. That might for. be the move. This, this is it. That, that was, he was like, you know what? This is my chance. I am just so hoping I get groped on the first night. <laughs> yeah. I was like, get out. <laughs> I mean, it's got, it had to have been. So how many, again, how many guys are on in the beginning? The first night you get rid of a bunch of them, right? Yes. So the first night I would say you get rid of probably like six. And then it's usually like two or three as time goes on every week. Do you... And I apologize. I'm sure you've answered these questions. It's fascinating oh, to me. So do yeah, you, yeah. have you, like when you were there the first night, is it kind of like real life where you, there's just a couple of people that you zero in on and go, Jesus Christ, like I <laughs> hope that yeah. person is as good as he looks. Yes. Yes. I, I think all bachelor and bachelorettes can say that they always can tell or have an idea of who their top four will be because I mean, we all know first impressions, the immediate connection, the physical connection, and, and then having conversation with them in that first night, it's like, you know, you know who you connect with and who you don't. And some people surprise you. There is one guy on my season who I would have never thought was in the final four. And now he's actually a dear friend of mine. It's a weird world. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and how much is it? Is there a big difference between the amount of making out? Because it seems like on The Bachelor, they make out with everybody. Everybody makes. Is it the same on The Bachelorette? Do they? Yeah, yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think it was shamed a little more on The Bachelorette than it ever was on The Bachelor. And it was, you know, controversial in my season because I talked about having sex instead of pretending that that's not what happened in the fantasy suites. And people didn't like that. They don't like seeing a woman talk about sex. And I think over the years time and social, you know, media and just society has kind of accepted it more on the show. So now it's a little more open to talking about those kinds of things and the women aren't getting as I don't know if I can swear, but like shit on in the, in the social media world for making out with everybody because we're kind of owning it. Katie, who's the bachelorette right now, she's getting, you know, a tweet here and there saying you make out with everyone. She's like, yeah, I'm trying to find a husband. What am I not going to make out with a guy and think, yeah, he's for me. Like it's it's a dating show. Are you suggesting that there's a double standard between the way men and women are judged for their actions? Come on, Caitlin. Can you believe it? Well, it does. It, you know what's crazy is at times it just feels like so much progress had been made. And again, I think so much of that is probably social media and that with the fact the in, enormously outsized role that social media plays in sort yeah. of determining the narrative. But it does kind of feel that way to me sometimes. Like you've got these forces pushing back. Like, mm-hmm. no. And, you know, we're allowed to slut shame now. We're allowed mm-hmm. to do these things that we used to have to do in the quiet of our own basements. Now we can yeah. do them because people will pay attention to me. Maybe I'll get elected to Congress if I do it enough. So, yeah, it's, 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 like- a, it's a rough go. My, now I need a drink. Now I need some more of this wine. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about the wine. I don't, you know, I, I, we will come back to The Bachelor, of course. You launched the brand in May of 2019. And I watched a video on the site uh, where you talk about the the arduous process of launching your own wine brand. What's tougher, doing that or, say, winning Dancing with the Stars, which oh. had to be really hard, too? 
That was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Dancing was the hardest thing physically I have ever done in my life. I mean, I danced on an injured ankle with tendonitis and shin splints, and I had a rib injury and I tore muscles underneath the ribs and I was a mess. I mean, a complete mess physically, emotionally, just shot after that. But starting a wine label was hard work in so many other ways that I wasn't used to. You know, I graduated with high school education. I did not go to college. I have, I don't have a business degree. I don't know. I mean, I know a lot now, but I didn't know how much work it was really going to be because could I have slapped my name on another wine label and let them done the work? Of course, but I really wanted it to be my own. I've always been passionate about wine. I was trained by a sommelier in my twenties for years Um, working through the restaurant industry. And then I ended up training servers at the restaurant industry. That was my job. So I had to be very knowledgeable about wine and where it came from and what it pairs with. And I started really falling in love with that process. So I wanted to be very hands-on and learn a lot about the industry if I'm going to have my own wine label. So uh, luckily also, I have an incredible team. I have two really, really great business partners that, you know, they're just just so intelligent when it comes to anything with sales and what what we need to do on the back end. But I'm on every single call learning because I'm not going to jump in there and pretend, you know, I'm all the, everything that they talk about, I'm learning each call more and more and more. Do I know about wine? Yes. Am I passionate about wine? Yes. Is it my own wine? Did I create the taste and the flavors and mix the certain amounts? Yes. But each, each week I learn more and more about the business side of things and it's fascinating and a lot of work. So we mentioned earlier, you've got a Pinot Grigio, Rosé, Pinot Noir, and a Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. You're, you're making it in Santa Barbara. I'm a, are you I'm, I'm like Terravent or something like that? One of the custom crush places up there? Yeah, it's Don Sebastiani. So that's where, we, yeah, it's just, they've been incredible to work with as well. Like they are just so about me coming out there and making sure I am proud of everything that they're doing and that we're like I said, it wasn't just like dump this cabin. And I'm like, yes, it was like, we got to measure out how much, how much cab we liked in this one glass and how much any other grape that we wanted and to make our own. And they've been really, really incredible through the process. So everybody knows when I say custom crush, there are facilities, you know, all throughout California, certainly where they make wine and brands come in and they can track them to do the wine. But, but as Caitlin was saying, you know, it's, it's up to you, the sort of the level of involvement you want to have. And it sounds like you're very hands-on in terms of, of what the brands are. Did you, when it came time to just choosing which varietals you wanted to go with, were they just personal favorites or were they, you know, obviously up in that area and Pinot, Pinot Noir grows really well up there. Uh, The Pinot Grigio, was it just dictated by the, the location or just your favorite types of wines? It was truly a little bit of everything. It was Pinot was not, did not used to be my favorite. Um, They say in the wine industry that a Pinot, Pinot Noir is for a more reserved palate. And I'm like, not a wine, like I'm not a wine connoisseur. I'm not picky. I'm like, sure, I'll drink it. You know, I, I wanted my wine to be that too, where it's very drinkable. It's approachable. You don't have to like pair it with certain things. You can pair it with Cheetos if you freaking want to. I won't judge you. Uh, so it was more that Pinot where 
I actually prefer Oregon or um, Pinot, but this Pinot, I'm not kidding you. I drink it all the time. It's my favorite. And I brought on the Pinot because it's my favorite. Now, the other ones I did polls because I want to involve my audience in every decision I make because it's for them. They're the customers. They're people who are going to buy it. So I wanted to know what their favorite wine was. So I would do polls all the time. Would you rather a Sauvignon Blanc? Would you rather Pinot Grigio? Do you like a sweet rosé? Do you like a more dry rosé? And I took everyone that follows me through the process of making it to make sure it's not only what I like, but more so what they like, because they're the ones buying it. On Instagram, you're pushing 2 million followers, and that's just your personal account. And the Spade and Sparrows account is up to nearly 150,000. That's got to help, I imagine, in terms of moving wine, right? I mean, the of course, your fans are engaged. They're loving this wine, right? Yeah, I've been just blown away with the response because I know when you're on TV or social media, I know people are going to say a lot of negative things and they're going to try and hurt your feelings or, you know, say whatever they want to bring you down. I By the way, I apologize for that. I didn't mean, the, well, the trolling I was doing, is that what you're talking about, me? Oh, it's Were you my, trolling me? It's my, oh, sorry, it's my burner account. Oh, oh yeah. You're, you're Jeff six nine six nine six nine. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. I don't. I don't have the time no, or the energy uh, to troll anybody. Well, yeah. Who does? That's the thing. That's the most sad part about trolls is they clearly have way too much time. And I was expecting people to be like, you know what, that wasn't for me, or I didn't like that. I have had honestly ninety eight percent of people with just positive feedback and incredible reviews and it shows in our sales and the social media. And it also feels like a community, which I think is really important when building anything is to have a community and bachelor nation. I say it over and over. They are the most loyal people who you could have follow you. And they really stand behind what you do. If, if you've proven yourself to them, and if you can prove that you're trustworthy with what you sell and not just pick like the flat tummy tea that makes you shit your pants. Like I'm not selling that on Instagram. I'm going to really try things that I believe in and build my trust with my audience. And over the years I've done that and I'm a very transparent person. And so anything that I've really taken on business-wise for myself, I believe in a hundred percent. And I really do truly drink my own wine all the time. I'm very picky about it because I love mine the best. And I just, I think people see that and I think they respect it. And I think my, my, it always sounds creepy to say my followers, like I'm some sort of cult, but I friends, whatever they are on the internet that people I don't know, they're, they're just so loyal and, and supportive. And it's, it's really cool. I just, I just followed you today. On the Instagram. He did? I'm sure you saw it. And I'm, I'm sure you were looking and you're like, oh, Dan Dunn followed me. Right. I, right. No, because if I did that, I would have followed you back if I saw that. Now I'll follow you back, but I didn't see that. L- I did. I did follow you. I'm going to give everybody a, a little inside baseball here. When I have people on the show and I don't like necessarily, it has happened on this show. Mm-hmm. There have been brands, I will not say them out loud, where they taste like shit. They're terrible, <laughs> terrible, horrible things that never should have been made. But sometimes it's big celebrities, and frankly, that helps drive the show. And so I pretend – Love that. Yeah. I pretend that I like – I like. there was one – well, actually, so I'm on the Adam Carolla show once a month. I'm the resident uh, booze guy on the I Adam Carolla Adam. show. So yeah. I – we had one time where nobody could hide how bad it was, and I love him to death. I love him, love him, love him, <laughs> but Snoop Dogg's gin – is terrible, right? Indigo. It's it's just terrible. There's no two ways about it. Amazing. But normally on this show, folks, if you're listening 
and I don't talk a lot about what I'm drinking, it probably means that I'm, I'm not a huge fan. But I'm going to tell you right now, this Spade and Sparrows Rosé is right up my... This is exactly the kind of rosé that I like. It's very nice. it's very crisp, but it's got a little bit of oomph to it. It's not... Yeah. Sometimes you get rosés that are just too ephemeral. Well, you know, we'll they see. just, they yeah. don't have anything behind them. There's, yeah. there's real fruit forward flavor to this, but it's not sweet. You're not, mm-hmm. that, there's a very fine balance there with rosé where it gets into that yeah. sweet territory and I can't do it. There's, it's yeah. crisp. The, the, the acidity in this wine shines through and it's in really perfect balance with the fruit. So congratulations on that. Oh, and what is this about you. a $20 bottle of wine? It's 1985 because that's my birth year. So I thought that was cool. Uh, So it's, yeah, I really, truly love that rosé. And it took us a few goes to get it right because the first one I did, it was definitely too sweet. And people, a lot of, a lot of people in the, you know, the age category that are buying this wine do tend to like sweet wine. Oh yeah. So there is still that fruit forwardness in there that makes people like it, even if they really like sweet wine, but it's also for people who don't necessarily love sweet wine. And that is a me. So Quickly walk me through just the, 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 I have the other wines. I have not had them yet. I can't. It's the middle of the afternoon or else I would drink all four (laughs) bottles. I really would. Uh, So tell people out there, give me in in the, the bullet point flavor profile of the Pinot Grigio. Oh my gosh. Pinot Grigio is so good. And I don't like when people sleep on white wines because there are some really good ones out there. And again, that same thing that we wanted for the Pinot Grigio was not to be overly sweet. It is so smooth. It doesn't have that bite after that a lot of whites have. It's crisp. It's got like apple, melon, citrus, and it's it's really just more on the crisp side than anything, which is what I love. In a white, crisp, apple, melon, and citrus. Those are my four favorites and that's what it is. Okay. Uh, the Pinot Noir, which you're drinking right now. The Pinot Noir, it's very unique because, you know, there's some Pinots that are really fruit forward and there's some that are really earthy and there's really no in between. But I find that this Pinot is just on the perfect side of not too earthy and not too fruit fruity. And so it's more just like vanilla and like, like not so much fruits and not so much earthy. It's like more vanilla-y. It's really, really, really smooth. Okay. And then your cab. Cab is more like your dark cherries and berries. There's actually hints of rose petals in there, which I loved because I obviously come from the bachelor world, um, cocoa and also vanilla. It's, it's really, I keep saying smooth, but it's really, truly the only thing I can think of when it comes to my reds is really smooth and not a bite aftertaste. You mentioned that you like the Pinot Noir of uh, Oregon, the Willamette Valley, I'm assuming, which is kind of the hotbed for that. So mm-hmm. let's let's envision a, f- a future here. Dan and Caitlin, titled to be determined later, our our wine adventure show. Right? Okay. You know, I I I wrote a book called American Wino. I drove all over the United States because they make wine in every state in the U.S. And cool. I got to go all over uh, the U.S. But let's see. so now we're gonna do our show. We're gonna go travel. So. What's your top five places you want to go wine region? Should we throw the Willamette Valley okay. in there as one of them? Okay, let's throw that one in. Obviously, California, but do you know what is also um, one of my favorite places to go for wine? And that is a place called the Okanagan in Canada. Sure. Have you ever been? I have not. Okay, I've not been to the Okanagan. When I did Wino, I cheated on the book's called American Wino. I cheated yeah. on America because I was in Detroit. <laughs> And rather than go down through Ohio and around the lakes down there, I went through Canada, but I went to the um, 
uh, what's that giant place called? The thing, the waterfall. Oh, Niagara Falls. Oh, Niagara Falls. Yeah, <laughs> Ni- yeah. Niagara by the lake. Niagara by <laughs> yeah. the lake. Which yeah. I gotta say, you know, if you're talking dessert wines, you generally yeah. the the German wines of the Mosul would be held up as the best. But I'm gonna say the 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 dessert wine, the the ice wines from Canada from that region are as good as any ice wine in the world. Wow, that's so good. I did not know that. Incredible, incredible. But where you're talking about is in a different part of Canada. Yeah, that's it's it's complete like West Coast. It's 4 hours outside of Vancouver and I I always feel guilty for talking about it because my parents have a lake house there and it feels like a little hidden gem that I don't want people to take over because it's just you drive up and it's lake, mountains, like clear blue water, beaches and vineyards everywhere and you feel like you're in Europe and Italy or something and it's magical and they have the best wines out of British Columbia. So we're going there, we're going to the Willamette Valley. Let's go somewhere outside the U uh, we outside the US. Excuse me Canada. Sorry. <laughs> Outside yeah. our 51st state, you know, uh, no, I'm joking. Yeah. Canada, yeah. I know Canada is its own country, I, I think, right? Uh, you guys wouldn't, you, America doesn't really study Canada, but we know a lot about you. Let's go abroad. Okay. Then I would go Argentina. Okay. Where are we going? Mendoza? We're we going down that? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Actually, that's on my bucket list. Okay. We're going to Argentina. So that's episode three. Okay. No, you get to pick one. Oh, that only get one? All right, cool. Uh, okay, you I'll, get two. There's no, two left. Uh, uh, no, no. I, I think I'd, you're going to pick one that I say, though. So I'm. you go, and I'll be like, that's what I was going to say. I would anyway. like to go to New Zealand. Ooh, oh, good one. Yeah. I love a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. We'll go Who there, doesn't? and then you choose yeah. the final one. I think we got to okay. go. There's got to be one old world wine region in there, right? We're all I mean, new. I this is like, all new world. I, I feel like, but I feel like we really have to go like Tuscany. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Okay, go there. Okay. We'll go there. That's the, that's going to be our. I mean, it was either there or look. When you talk about you, you mentioned the earthy and the, the balance of earth and fruit. I mean, for me, man, Burgundy, it's hard to beat in terms of that. I mean, I just love Burgundian wines. Yeah, and I would love to go back there. So you mentioned Canada. You are from the Alberta region, right? Yes. Do you know where that is? When you're, oh yeah, I know where it is. <laughs> okay, a lot of people don't. <laughs> Come on now. Now when yeah, you when you launched, I love this. When you launched the brand two years ago, there's a thing up there called Wine and Beyond. Yeah. I was reading that when you launched it, people were lining up, social distancing lining up, and yeah. you sold 1,200 bottles in 10 minutes and 6,000 bottles in the first 48 hours, making it one of the most successful wine launches ever up there. That's got to feel pretty damn good. You know what? There's a couple things in my life that I'm like, holy shit. And that's one of them. And winning the mirror ball was another. (laughs) Maybe being the bachelorette would be the third. But that was like a definite pinch me moment because working in that restaurant industry, I felt like I was always just like grinding from the bottom up. And I was like, am I going to be the GM of a restaurant? Like, do I take something to be a sommelier? Like I'm probably going to be in the restaurant industry. And now that restaurant carries my wine. And it's just like to have people line up for something I'm clearly so passionate about and that I worked so hard for was something that, you know, Bachelorette kind of fell into my lap, not saying that I didn't, you know, obviously my personality and certain avenues I've taken in life would get me there. But the work that I put into this wine label for it to have a lineup was a definite pinch me out of body experience moment. It was just incredible, especially in my hometown. To go back to what you were just saying, I, you know, in terms of it falling in your lap, I mean, there are literally tens of millions of women that would love to be 
The Bachelorette. You, you got right. it. You got it for a reason. You know, you've got magnetism. You how did how did Bachelor happen? Was there just like an open audition or something? Like how does that happen for you? So I actually lived in Germany for about seven months at one point in my life, and I was dating a guy there. And we broke up and I had to move back to Canada. I had no money. I couldn't work in Germany, obviously. And I had nothing going on there. So I had no money. I was just a shell of myself. I had to move back in with my parents. I was like rock bottom. I had to start at the industry, um, at the restaurant industry again and work my way up. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? And my girlfriend submitted my pictures, videos of me, did all the paperwork to try and get me to go on The Bachelor. And that's how that happened. Incredible. Yeah. It yeah. was a, re- it, I was working at the restaurant one day and I had a missed call from LA and I was like, what? Who's calling me from LA? And the, and it was Chris on. Harrison himself. Yeah. <laughs> We want it was a casting, you. casting producer. And I don't want to go to, we're not going to go into the salacious stuff, but you are, you have taken over at least temporarily or maybe permanently hosting. Yeah. Do you feel like the dynamic, I got to think it's, it's got to be working better having two women hosting The Bachelor. It, that should be the way it is. I mean, right? it should have always been that way. What kind of, what kind of reaction are you getting from the network and for, are people just loving it? Yeah, it was really interesting because when we were there and we were doing that and taking on that role, we didn't really know what it was going to look like. But having us there made so much sense. And even the producers and certain people are like, wait, why have we not always done this? I mean, of course, Chris Harrison was an absolute legend to the show and iconic. And he was the face of the franchise. But, you know, we live in a world where it's evolving so quickly now and women are having their moments. And you realize the power of having women together and making decisions in creating vulnerability and connections. And it was really powerful to say, hey, we've been in your shoes And we know how you're feeling. And yes, you should want to quit. That means you're doing it right. And you are allowed to cry. And we're going to pick you up. And we're going to pat you on the butt like the guy did to me night one, the drunk guy. And we're going to say, get back out there. And it'll. it's just really unique to have someone there who's been in that position before and can have conversations. Like women having other conversations with women, we could talk about sex. We could talk about important things with dating. We were able to talk about important things that the show was kind of like lacking before. And it really does change the whole dynamic and perspective. And it helped Katie, who's the current bachelorette that really helped her be more vulnerable and in the moment and more like surrender to the process just by having us there to say what you're feeling is normal. I love it. I'm going to watch like the end of the season. Yeah. It's going to give actually the preview. I'm going to jump in for the end. I want to, I just, first of all, I want to say again, thank you for, for coming on and doing this, uh, spade and sparrows. It's the name of the wine brand and everything's like right around that $20 range, right? Which is really the sweet spot for the wine. Unless you're in California, it's in all, it's in over 180 Walmarts in California for 1665. Wow. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what I don't have, but I'm thinking maybe what? you could be it. So I get a lot of my celebrity friends that do the show and they become sort of, of course, can you be the official Canadian wine correspondent for what we're drinking with Dan Dunn? Would you like that yes. title? 1000% I would be honored to have that title. Well, guess what? You've just been, it's just been bestowed <laughs> upon, you are now the official Canadian wine correspondent. You know what? 
screw correspondent. Canadian wine, what's a grand grandiose title? Canadian um, wine connoisseur. Connoisseur slash <laughs> editor in chief. Oh, slash. Uh, Queen. 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 You are the queen of Canadian <laughs> wine officially. That's the title. The official queen of Canadian wine on what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. It's nice to have Ooh. you on board. The pay's not really well. It doesn't pay. Okay. It's about the good reward. At all. But you know what? No one will slap your ass on this show. <laughs> There's no no ass slapping going on here. You don't have to worry about that. That's important. That's at important. All. Yeah. Caitlin Bristow, this has been really a lot of fun talking to you and uh I apologize. I told Caitlin before we went on the air, my I have the windows all shut and I'm sweating <laughs> like a priest at a Boy Scout thing. You know, like I'm like, you ah, I'm look like sweaty. Oh, oh my god, I'm sweating so bad right now. But the you don't wine look sweaty. The wine is helping. It really okay, is. Okay, good. This is the a nice... re- this is a refreshing summer wine right here. I'm gonna It really is. And I always tell people I'm like, just I, you know, here's the true test. My friend's parents are the like wine snobs. They only drink the most expensive wine. And I didn't tell them what I was pouring, but we had my red wine one night where they're usually drinking, you know, Camus and Opus one and blah, blah, blah. And I poured them the rosé and she goes, what is the name of these? I have got, oh my God, this is better than Camus and all that. And I was like, that's my wine. <laughs> 20 bucks. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it was great. Caitlin Bristow, thank you for joining us. And everybody go out there and get some Spade and Sparrows. Watch The Bachelorette. All the other things. You buy the scrunchies. We didn't even talk about your scrunchies company because I don't wear them. But uh, what's the name of the scrunchies company? Do Edit. D-E-W. Yes. Do Edit. D-E-W. If you need scrunchies. Dude it, but do edit. (laughs) But yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. When the only sound is the frozen silence of winter, you go to work, throwing mountains of snow back into the sky. And when the track becomes a railroad again, it's Miller time. Time to head for the best-tasting beer you can find, Miller High Life. If you've got the time, we've got the beer. Miller Beer. Miller Beer. All right, folks, before we go, I want to let you know a little news item that I saw here. And the world's oldest known whiskey sold for $110,000. According to Rachel Trent of CNN, this historic whiskey could date back over 250 years. It smashed auction estimates, sold for $110,000. It was bottled in LaGrange, Georgia. It's called Old Ingledew Whiskey. And it's believed to be the oldest known whiskey in existence, according to Skinner Auction House. Of course, they were the ones selling it, so who knows? Maybe they're maybe they're lying. They could be lying. People lie. Um, they so the bids were initially expected to fall between twenty and forty thousand dollars. Again, one hundred and ten thousand dollars. Carbon fourteen dating carried out in conjunction with the University of Georgia indicated the bourbon was likely produced between seventeen sixty two and eighteen o two. Think about that. That's so crazy. I, I that would be a thrill. To, to get to try that. I don't know what it would taste like, but it, it just the, the history, according to the, the rare expert, the spirit expert that Skinner used, this guy, Joseph Hyman, he said it was thought to be the only surviving bottle of a trio of bottles from the cellar of J.P. Morgan, uh, gifted in the 1940s to Washington Power Elite. 
Okay, so while this may be the oldest known bottle of whiskey, it's nowhere near the most expensive. 2019, the Macallan Fine and Rare 60-year-old 1926 became the most expensive bottle of wine or spirit ever auctioned when it sold for $1.9 million. Something to aspire to, folks. Save up your pennies. Someday, maybe you can own some rare whiskey. And with that, we're going to roll on out of here. I want to thank you, as always, for being part of this, the shenanigans here on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. I I love it. I love doing it. And I I love knowing that some of you out there, some, maybe not all, some of you are enjoying what I do. Hit me up at The Imbiber on Twitter and Instagram at WWD underscore podcast on Instagram. That's the podcast very own uh, account. Not as big as mine. Take that podcast. What else? Thank you to Caitlin Bristow. She's awesome. Check her out. She's co-hosting The Bachelorette right now. Check out her podcast. Buy Spade and Sparrows Wine. Support the game. Support the player. Support the game. I'll check you on the next episode of this show. Bye-bye.